How are you, Tristan? I'm very good, thanks, Dave. How are you? I'm extremely well. Uh, picked a real good one this week. Yeah, gone into one of the big... I, I didn't think we would get to big Jim Carrey films so quickly. We must uh, state uh, here that at the end of last episode, I think we mentioned that our next film would be Earth Girls Are Easy. Which I was super excited to we see. We were both pumped. Uh, it is very, very difficult to find in Australia. Yep. Like, really? Here in America, it's yeah. fine. It's everywhere. It's, Here in Australia, yeah. there seems to be some sort of government conspiracy against us watching Earth Girls Are Easy. And and I know, like, a lot of you out there are probably sitting there going, guys, just torrent it. But as, you know, a filmmaker and an actor, we like to support our industry and we like to, you know, pay for it and, and, and spread the love. And even then, even then, couldn't get it. But also, it, it, I think it's it's one of these things with our streaming culture at the moment that uh, some of the more modern films are very easy to get, but yeah. we're missing a lot of those kind of old classic films. Yeah. But it is Ace Ventura this week. Which was very easy to find. <laughs> Unbelievably. <laughs> basically, people throwing it at me on the street. I was like, Ace Ventura, get away from me. Alrighty then. Uh, alrighty then. Uh, that's probably not going to be the last one of them that you get. <laughs> Let's start off with a plot summary. So we uh, start the film off with Ace Ventura himself. Yeah. He is dressed up as a delivery guy. For um, HDS. For HDS. Uh, just flip that around. What do you got? What do you got? UPS. Oh, what? Yeah, there you go, guys. I um, know. It's amazing. So he uh, is on a case. He's pretending to be a delivery driver mm-hmm. to rescue a uh, dog from... A not very nice owner. And um, we really first get our first real glimpse into what Ace, Van- Ace Ventura himself is all about in this opening scene. Uh, so he rescues that dog pretty well. Pretty well. There's a little bit of action. There's a bit of a car chase. We really launch into like the main plot, which is about a dolphin called Snowflake. Snowflake is a dolphin yeah. who is able to kick a field goal for the Miami Dolphins, the football team. Yeah. The, so a, a couple of uh, untoward people break into his enclosure, I guess, yeah. um, and uh, take him away. The Miami Dolphins hire Ace Ventura, uh, and the person who hires him is Courtney Cox, of friends fame. What? That is right. And um, puts him on the case. And he has to work, uh, unfortunately, near the uh, Miami police, who he does not get along uh, very well with all, uh, with Detective Einhorn. Yep. They have to start going through the case and start unraveling uh, the, the clues that are given. The first real one is uh, he finds a gem in mm. Snowflake's enclosure, yeah. uh, which he deduces that is a gem from... 1985 Super Bowl ring that the Miami Dolphins were in. It's a orange triangle cut diamond. Yeah. I, I say it so many times in the movie, you, actually, you can't it's miss it. It's stuck with you. It's stuck, it's stuck with you. It did stuck with me. And so what, he, uh, what Ace decides to do is basically go through all of the team and find out uh, who is missing this diamond in their ring. Uh, about halfway through, there is uh, a bit of a misdirect where he goes after uh, quite a rich billionaire that has had a lot to do with the the, the Dolphins. I think yeah. did, did he play for the Dolphins? Am I misremembering I, that? No, I don't think that he 
did, but I think he's one of their major donors. Like, his land is what their stadium is built on. He's a very important person. Very, very important um, person. Ha- has done some things to prove himself to be a worthy suspect. Yeah. Turns out it wasn't him. Was not him at all. Uh, so then they start looking for a man called Ray Finkel, who is the kicker from the 1985 or 1984. The mid-80s mid, mid uh, Dolphins... Uh, what is what are they called? Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Super Bowl team, and they go looking for him, and they end up going to his house because all the clues lead there, and we stumble across some interesting stuff there. Yeah, yeah. So he uh, missed a field goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been blaming another player on the mm-hmm. Dolphins, Dan Marino, who is a real football player yep. and is a real big deal, and uh, appears in the film. Yeah, actually, a lot of football, a lot of real football yep. players appear in this film, and I must say. Are having a great time. <laughs> they are loving it. You find out that um, Ray Finkel has become obsessed with Dan Marino and Dan Marino uh, sabotaging his kick. That's why he missed it. To the point that he wants to kill Dan Marino. Dan Marino is kidnapped by who we find out to be is uh, Ray Finkel, who yep. turns out to be Lieutenant Reinhorn, who has changed genders. Ace solves the case after a very interesting fight and the Dolphins and Dan Marino uh, play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. That is the film. That is Ace Ventura uh, in a nutshell. Not I, as uh, funny as the actual film. No, not as funny as the actual film. When you lay out the plot details like that. When you say it like that, um, when you can write, you know, when you try to write the whole thing on a napkin, not, <laughs> not that great, but you know. So let's launch into the film by numbers. This was released in 1994, so this is about nine years after Once Bitten, which we looked at last week. So. And yeah, Jim Carrey is 32 in this film. He's getting a bit older. Yeah, he is. Uh, is a little. He's a year younger than I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought? So this film, it uh, is directed by Tom Shadiak. Who is also known for... Bruce Almighty. And The Nutty Professor and Patch Adams. Yeah, he's done a few things. And, and, and Liar worked, Liar. A, worked a little bit with um, Jim Carrey, especially in the early days. Yeah. yeah and this definitely. was his first film as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, so, um, it, not technically Jim Carrey's first film, but his first kind of breakout film. And yeah. the same for Tom Shadiak. Yeah. Um, the running time is 86 minutes. Nice quick one. Nice quick one. Uh, the budget was $12 million. Do you know how much it made? $107 million. Yeah, worldwide though. Worldwide. Yeah. Well, and it is the film that really launched Jim Carrey. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. There was cameos by, of course, Courtney Cox. Not really a cameo. She's a main character. <laughs> and a um, little bit of a throw out there for those playing along at home. Tone Lock. Uh, do you know who Tone Lock is? Who is Tone Lock? Tone Lock is the detective uh, that Jim Car- uh, that Ace Ventura goes yeah. to see, his friend. Now, Tone Lock was a, uh, a um, I'm doing my quote fingers, rapper in the uh, the 90s, and he also sings the song at the end of the film. Oh. That's Tone Lock. Yeah, yeah. And countless football players. And look, I'm sure there's a lot of people in this film, cameos that we completely miss because we don't know them as football players or whoever they are, but... They were the main two that really stood out for me. Jim Carrey's career at this point, because this is actually quite important. Before this, for a number of years, he's been on a show called In Living Colour, which is a comedy show by Keenan Waynes, who's Damon Waynes of Major Pain fame. Uh, It was a Saturday Night Live show where um, everybody on it would like sort of pitch ideas. And Jim Carrey, like this really put him on the map Mm. as like a character doing big characters. And a lot of those character traits bled into this film because um, he knew that his fans would like the callback, which I thought was a really interesting 
choice, which I'll get into in the actor's opinion. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was doing a bit of reading and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like a lot of a lot of choices he'd made, he'd kind of stolen from sketches and put yeah. in here. So it, it's not really the same as, but it, it's to give an equivalent. It's kind of like how Mike Myers was doing Wayne's World yeah. on Saturday Night Live and they turned that into a movie. Well, this isn't... No, kind of turning yeah. a character from the TV show into the movie. He really yeah, took a lot of traits and jokes and, and yeah. pe- bits and pieces yeah, from, from his from sketch di- work. From different characters and sort of smushed them together. Let's start off with favourite moments. Well, have you got any favourite moments uh, for us there, Tristan? One of my favourite moments in this film was the billionaire party scene. Yes, couldn't agree more. Talk us through what so happened. So he he's investigating this this billionaire. So goes along as Courtney Cox's date, whose name is Tom Ace. Tom and Ace. He is a lawyer, apparently. I thought you meant uh, Courtney Cox's date. Oh yeah. What is her character's name? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. So uh, they make up this stupid name of Tom Ace, and he is apparently a lawyer <laughs> at this party. <laughs> Um, and uh, comes up with a very clever gimmick to get, get away to investigate the rest of the property, which is he's a, a lawyer who's kind of interested in people that get food poisoning at yeah. fancy parties. Yeah, so he uh, eats an hors d'oeuvre, locks himself in a bathroom, and then goes off and does a little bit of investigation. Yep, uh, but my favourite part, which it's one of these these things that I, I've done in my real life because I'm okay. an idiot. Okay. And have just forgotten where it's come from and had the realisation when watching this film again that I was like, oh yeah, this is where it's from. So he's, he's walking along searching for clues or searching mm. for Snowflake the Dolphin and the Mission Impossible theme is playing. Yes. And he is... Is, is he singing it? Uh, no, it's playing uh, in the background. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's going along and doing really over-the-top Mission Impossible moves when he could just kind of walk from A to B. Yeah, yeah. And like jumps a rail at one point, edges along, <laughs> nearly falls in a pool, and then jumps back and then like scales across a wall just to walk into a door. Yeah. And then like slams it shut for no reason. <laughs> very, very, very funny. Yeah. And and just feeding on from that, because what the top one I have in mind is he then finds the tank, which he thinks is Snowflake. Yeah. And he goes up and he climbs up on this rail and then... You find out that it's a... It's a great white shark. Yeah, it's a great white shark. And like he's like screams, it's not Snowflake, and then falls backwards into the water and then is grabbed by the shark. And he's just like whipped around the water screaming. It's so unnatural. <laughs> it would have been an absolute hoot to, to film that. Yeah, and of course that is a um, parody of Jaws. Yeah. And that's, I, I guess, because I haven't seen this film in yeah. many, many years. Um, and I forgot, or maybe just didn't even realise at the time, how much this film parodies other movies. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, as The Simpsons does, there's a lot of like calls to other films and this, and this. And it's one of those things where you can kind of, you can see director and actor working together and kind of going, oh, there's a joke here, there's a joke there. Can we do this? Can we do that? But the, the payoff for all of this... <laughs> Is they go back to the party and the billionaire who's got like a real hard on for Courtney Cox's character, like he's all over her. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, where's your boyfriend? And then he opens the door, <laughs> drenched, his pants ripped apart, and he's like, do not go in there. Woo! And 
and it's just like with all these like really like rich people like looking at him and it, it made me laugh out loud uh, <laughs> quite a lot um, I got shushed <laughs> I got shushed by my wife she's like try to watch and I'm like it's very funny I'm it's so- a comedy you can it, laugh it, out loud it's a comedy one of the bits for me at, like I remember watching it as a kid and even now, later in the film, when they go to Shady Acres uh, Mental Hospital, which is where they're looking for Ray Finkel, he does this thing. So he pretends, Ace Ventura pretends to be a um, Courtney Cox's character's mentally insane brother, who's, a, again, a football player who's gone crazy because they're trying to get information. And he does this sequence where he's in the waiting room and he, like, does this play where he goes up to, like, the doctor and, like, <laughs> Like gets tackled by him and then he does it in reverse. So he does it in slow motion and then does it in reverse all the way back. And the way that he does that is unbelievable. Like he he basically slow motions the whole thing out and then does it exactly... Even the speaking he does in reverse and then like sits down and is doing the whole thing. And how everybody else in that scene does not like corpse. <laughs> um, and if you don't know what corpsing is, it's when an actor laughs so much they like fold in half and they just lose the scene. So I'm probably I'll probably use that term a lot. How they don't do that is beyond me because mm. that is that would be so funny to watch. <laughs> and like, I remember as a kid trying to do that like over and over, and like, trying to get the slow motion, trying to get the um, replay, and just. Could never do it. Could never do it. <laughs> There's another bit that uh, made me a little bit happy. Not not a funny moment, yeah. but it was one of those nostalgia moments. Um, again, I this wasn't the first Jim Carrey film that I saw. I mm. oh, how old would I have been in '94? I would have been about nine, maybe, maybe a bit too young for this film at the time. So I didn't see it when it was at cinemas, and um, maybe caught up with it a couple of years later. But um, one of the the standout moments for me was. Uh, uh, in the beginning, Ace Ventura is uh, going through his apartment, is confronted by his landlord, yeah. who questions him if he's got animals in the apartment. Yeah. He's like, well, I got no animals in here. They go in, there's no animals there, the landlord can't find him, he goes off on his merry way, um, and then out come all of the animals. This was actually This actually raised a thing for me when I was watching it. I was like, animal hoarding? <laughs> Because there is like a lot. There's like what? There's penguins. There's a monkey. There's parrots. There is a basset hound. Who I'm a massive fan of basset hounds. There's a couple of kittens, and they just flood out from everywhere. I'm like, that's a lot of animals to have in a little apartment. Let's uh, let's just hope they're they're not pets, but more he's uh, looking after them until it's, he finds them another home. Yes, yes. I hope so. Because I was like. Animal hoarding? <laughs> um, but it's the monkey that always got me because another thing, I, I guess one of my introductions to Ace Ventura wasn't the movies, but the cartoon show. Yes. Yeah. I was going to bring that up later. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, this cartoon where the monkey was like a real main character. Yeah. It was like uh, Aladdin's monkey, like yeah. to that kind of level of intelligence. But it's barely in the film. Yeah. It's got like four sort of shots or scenes. And they were like, that. <laughs> that's gonna be one. Of, that's gonna be his sidekick. But I, I, after watching this, I took a quick look uh, back at some of the uh, animation from that TV show. Wow! And the guy that does the voice of Ace Ventura does such a good Jim Carrey yeah. impression. Yeah, because they also did, uh, which we're gonna get to. They also did a mask cartoon yes. and a Dumb and Dumber cartoon. 
You know, we'll, we'll talk about doing the animated series later. Yeah, maybe we'll do a, a special episode. We watch some of the animated ones. Yeah, okay, okay. You heard it here first, guys. So when it <laughs> happens, you can't be annoyed at us. One of the things that I gave a real uh, that really tickled me is when they go to Ray Finkel's house and like his house because he missed this field goal and it's called the kick that um, echoed around the world of him missing the Super Bowl. They go back to his house. His parent, his house is trash. Like the locals in their town. Like, he was, like, a star, and now he's a complete loser. And, like, they've written all this stuff all over his house, like, um, laces out, and the mule can't kick, and all this other stuff. And, they, and you meet his parents, and the first thing that happens is his dad, like, shoves a shotgun in Ace Ventura's face. And then they bring him in, and, like, the parents, especially the mother, is, like, a little bit unhinged, potentially dementia. They yeah. kind of They kind of give a wink to dementia. And then, and but they're super sweet. They're super lovely. And then they go up to Ray's room, which is just this shrine to the death of Dan Marino. Mm. And the mother just delivers this line of a real sports nerd, isn't he? And you're just like, oh, the day you walked into the casting session, they were like, tick, she's yep. amazing. And just the way that like in every other scene, Ace Ventura is the crazy person. And then he gets into this situation and he seems really, really normal really, really quickly. And he becomes us. The audience like, what <laughs> is happening? Should we move on to cringe moments? I guess so. Yeah. There were a couple. Like, there were a couple. And, and, and unfortunately, they were, for me personally, there were some big ones. There were some real big ones in here. Like, uh, he, 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 I think for me, even even worse than some of the stuff that we saw in One's Bitten. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Like, One's, one's Bitten... I think the fact that it's the 80s, like, I know we shouldn't, but you kind of go, oh, okay, this is 1994, and this is 10 years later, and, like, not only do they make more of it, they actually, like, humiliate people a lot more in this. The first thing that I really had a massive issue with in this film, the real cringe moment, is on the first job when he gets the dog and he returns it to the uh, owner of this dog in his first mission, her payment for him is a blowjob. And it's just, it's so, like, the way they do it, it's just so unnecessary. She's quite scantily clad. He sort of has to grab the Ruth as she's, like, thrashing him around. Quite reminiscent of the shark, actually, now that I think about it. She, like, he's like, you know, would you like your payment? Um, should I take off your pants? And he's like, oh, alrighty then. And then they do this thing, and I'm just like, what is this saying? Like, what are you trying to say with this? Like, what's the... I don't know. I was kind of like, what's the joke here? Yeah. I don't know. And, and I just kind of looking through it, through, you know, what the world's been through and what's happening in the world. I'm just like, I, I would not feel great about like my wife or one of my friends as a woman being asked to do that like even if it is a joke i don't know i just don't i for me didn't hold up well even from a, a story perspective it, it's it, it, it was a cheap laugh i think yeah i think that that's what it is as well it, and it kind of and it kind of makes you not like jim carrey's character in a way like ace ventura because like it would have been funny if he was like, no, 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 you know, I do it for the animals or something like that, and 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 leaves, and then we get the payoff later with Courtney Cox when they get together. But this, you're just like, oh, 
what is this guy all about? Like, this is our hero, and he's a bit of a sleazeball. And it's like, okay. Yeah, and it, it was, like, really uncomfortable because alrighty then yeah. is is such a big catchphrase, and that's that's kind of the first place that we really see it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, that's not good. There's a demographic that they're going for. Yeah. That I think e- e- even nowadays, I think uh, teen comedies are going are going past that as well. The other thing that I had a bit of issue with, there's a montage where um, Ace Ventura is looking for the rings and he's going to all these different football players and he's looking for the rings. And there's two jokes in there where I was just like, oh, guys, please. There was one where he's in a toilet. Yep. Uh, and he's like, going to the toilet in the cubicle ne- like the urinal sorry next to the football player and he's like looking over at the guy's ring and the guy thinks he's looking at his penis and then the guy like looks up and then like Jim kind of does like a scared face and then the guy kind of does like an interested face so Ace runs away and then the guy like puts on this like weird yeah very camp sort of like dare I say like that idea of like the sort of fairy sort of thing which I don't like coming out of my mouth but that's kind of the best way to sort of Sort of, and like runs after him, and I was like, I think the joke on set was like was him doing that, but then when you look at it in the terms of the movie, you're just like, I, I, it's just straight out home. Yeah, the joke yeah. the joke was made, and that that just kind of went even further. Like the joke, I think, yeah. went a bit too far, but and, and then just that little addition. I think. Yeah, I was just like, it's probably something that he just did. As a joke, like, to sort of, you know... And then they're like, oh, that's great. We're going to put that in. And then, like, he does, they, like he goes into a bathroom and, like, whips this guy with a towel. And then the guy punches him in the face. And I was like, again, like once bitten, we come down to, like, shower homophobia scenes. And I'm like, that's a really weird <laughs> theme to run through your movies. Yep. It's like guys being scared of showering with other men. Like, I'm like, that's that's a weird thing to pick on. Yeah, I, I think we'll get onto the big kind of cringe where this mm. stuff because I think we're going to have a, a, a bit of a conversation about that. Well, but that's, that's my next note is the, the real big one at the end. The the And going into it, I, I was aware of that. Mm. Um, but there, there, there was some other bits and pieces that kind of took me by surprise and I was like, oh, I don't remember this being so bad. Mm. Um, and that is kind of its treatment of mental health. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially with the, I don't want to say villain of this piece, but the, the antagonist, I guess, uh, Ray Finkel, and the, the kind of treatment of his his mental health and yeah. uh, demonising that, I guess. Really demonising that. And, you know, that almost that idea of, like, people with mental health issues or people that have been put into mental health facilities shouldn't be trusted and you know, are forever crazy and like have this real bad stigma about them. Which that's what that was what resonated for me. Like, oh, definitely, and, and especially uh, a topic like this, which mm. a, again we might be talking about a product of its time, but mm. it, it is still a, a very important point when we look at big name athletes yeah. and kind of the pressure that is yeah. put on them. I mean, they get pretty big paychecks and whatnot. Absolutely. But, but like, they're, 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 that doesn't um, diminish the mental health issues that come up for people in those kind of positions. Absolutely. And for someone to, to mess something up and to be that affected mm. by it. And I mean, this was based off, uh, like Ray Finkel is a fictional character, but it yeah. is based off a, a, a real event. And I think... Yeah, and the footage that is shown in the film is 
of a real game yeah. that is being played where this actually happened. And the way it kind of belittles that and, and demonises um, that mental health with professional football players in the film as well uh, yeah. just sen- sends a, a bit of a bad message. Yeah, it really does. Like, I didn't think about it to that level um, at the time, but yeah, you're 100% correct. Like, you go toughen up. It's that kind of like toughen up, you know, like you're a professional athlete and it's like it's ruined his life. You know, like he couldn't even go home because yeah. his parents were being harassed because he didn't kick a ball right. Yeah, it, it was yeah. just one moment, and and um, I, I mean, this is in the nineties. If this mm. this this kind of happened today, this is this is what we're seeing a lot with um, mm. kind of victim shaming on things like Twitter and social media, yeah. and and the the effects of that, and mm. even today in 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 twenty nineteen, mm. I, I think a lot of people don't. Um, recognize that aspect of mental health and and kind of pile on people yeah. when they do something wrong and so, something like uh, as trivial as a sports game. Yeah, I, I think it is is a little kind of out, out of touch. Either even in '94 to yeah. to use this as a, a major plot point in your movie, but even above that to to use that in a demonizing way to say that um, this, this person got mental health issues out of missing this kick and that has then led him to become murderous yeah I think is horrific absolutely horrific and I mean it's played for, for laughs in in this movie but it, it's one of those we're, we're going to kind of talk about the transphobic elements of, of yeah. what they did in this film soon but I'd completely overlooked and completely forgotten that mental health angle as well yeah and you know like for a lot of people in society like that's a real issue and I've and you know like times are finally sort of starting to turn and have turned where you know that actually sort of gets the attention and um, sort of the coverage that it should get. You know, a lot of the things with like uh, people like tradies and stuff and the pressure that they're under and the suicide rates in that industry and in a lot of industries and especially with professional athletes, like you do one thing wrong and your whole life is ruined and that happens here and they go, oh, well, you know, that then justifies him doing all this other stuff and that makes him the bad guy there. And it's just like, or why don't you make a film about like trying to help that person? Yeah, I guess when we look at it, like uh, again, this is not placing all the blame on Ace Ventura Pet Detective, mm. but more kind of society in general. It, yeah. It's this kind of viewpoint and this this view that leads to a lot of male suicide, which is yeah. is becoming increasingly increasingly a, a huge problem. Yeah especially around men kind of not wanting to show their emotions. Yeah, and yeah. it is because of storylines like this that, yeah. that, that, that there's a problem, that, that it's played for laughs, that, that yeah. going through something like that yeah. is funny. And again, I'm not, I'm not blaming the film at all. No, I'm not blaming no, Jim Carrey, but no. I think it's, it's an important thing to mention and understand when looking back at this film yeah. is, is this is the viewpoint of society, a and, lot of society. And, you know, and there'll probably be a lot of people out there, um, hopefully listening to this podcast, but uh, that will be like, oh, guys, it's just a comedy, like lighten up. And we absolutely hear you 100%. But the other thing that I think need, this needs to be said, that it's like, is there other ways that you could deal with this subject? Still making it funny, but also like enlightening people and helping people because you have a medium which is has an international reach, which we've just heard, and you've gone out there and said, oh, if you do have mental health issues, if you do go through a hard time, if you do get committed or whatever, 
people are allowed to laugh at you mm. and 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 you are the bad guy that and that's the thing that just having this conversation now actually is quite shocking that they've gone this person is the easiest target that we can find to be the bad guy yeah this person who is vulnerable and is in and is in a lot of trouble mentally they're the bad guy because they're the easiest target because no one no one is going to support them yeah so we can go after them as a bad guy and you're just like that's not cool. Like, that's not fun for anyone. Yeah. If you look at it that way, like, if you look at it like, oh, it's this person who went crazy and they and they did this thing. Ha, 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 ha. But if you're like, no, this is somebody who needed a lot of help and didn't get it. Yeah. And I mean, like, it, it's all well and good with hindsight, us mm. in 2019 looking back yeah, at this film. Absolutely. But the, these are points that were made um, when the film was released yeah. as well. Again, yeah. when you look at the, the audience this was targeted to, yeah. Um, one, I think that's even more dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but also, like, we don't want to excuse it. Yeah, and and that leads on exactly to the most cringeworthy thing, and it's been well well documented, and it's come up again recently. Actually, is about the the transphobic um, nature of this film, the fact that the bad guy uh, Ray Finkel is actually uh, trans has transitioned to be a woman, Einhorn, the detective, in order to get close to. Dan Marino and to kill him and the fact that, that she's gone around and kissed all these people and then like the minute that comes out everybody starts like spitting or like Ace Ventura has this massive thing about like when he figures out that they're the same person and then they've had, they've made out he starts vomiting into a toilet and then starts trying to brush his teeth and then like burns his clothing and showers and stuff and when we're talking um, yeah. before about parodies, this yeah. is this is them parroting the crying game, yeah. Which um, I think came out a year before, or not not too long before this film. And you go, that's a great, you know, that's a great reference, and that's very funny. But then when you look at it later, you go, so you're saying that these people are disgusting to the point that you have to burn your clothes, like, and th- and that's the thing, and that was a thing, and then the way that they re like he literally strips down and humiliates this trans person in front of all of these people like at the end of the movies and just really like humiliates them and, and like saying that this is not right like that that somebody would do this this is not right and I and I, I just was like like I said before it was something that I was expecting going into watching this mm. film but I'd forgotten how really awful it was yeah. especially that scene when, when um, Ace Ventura finds out mm. or, or makes the discovery that they are the same person um, but I think it goes even further than that that it really plays into um, a, a really dangerous narrative that um, is still being brought up today that this person who's who's transitioned ha- has done so for deceptive means what if ray finkel transitioned into this person because that's who he always wanted to be and it just happened to work out that way you know what i mean like well that that, that wasn't even even considered not at all in the plot it's of the like film the only way he, the only reason this has happened is because of this and it's just like and that's the problem it's like the only reason somebody would do this is for a bad reason or to trick someone or to deceive someone which is again what we found in Once Bit as well. Like the only trans person in there deceives somebody. And again, we, we've got a lot of better understanding of, yeah. of transgender nowadays. Yeah. Just it is such a, a dangerous narrative, and yeah. um, it disappoints me that it's still something that's been brought out by a lot of um, really negative people out there. And, and to see it played out 
on such a, a big pop cultural scale here. Yeah. And again, we're looking at it from 2019 and a lot yeah. of people can say product of its time. But again, these were a lot of concerns that were raised when the film came yeah. out as well. Maybe not as, as loud as we're hearing it today. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, I think just recently in the media, um, it was talked about again about how forgetting how transphobic the film actually is. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people not realising that. And hopefully this might be able to be a, a, a bit of a, a lesson and a, yeah. we can be a bit more understanding yeah. of um, uh, gender dysmorphia and people who are transgender. If the least it does is start the conversation in this day and age about that with p- between people who probably never thought about that issue or never kind of considered it, then it's done it. You know, it's done something good at least. But I don't. Looking at who the films are targeted at, yeah. I don't know that it's going to. And it's a bit of a saying that it is a bit of a roller coaster ride. Uh, in general as a film. So one of, one of the big points I, I want to make from a filmmaker's perspective is, is uh, one of the things that I really enjoy about this film and, and kind of similar films, and that is with, with a lot of narrative film and, and a lot of characters that we get, um, you see them go through a bit of a journey, be it the hero's journey or uh, usually the way the narrative goes is, is we're, we're set up with a character, um, the trials and tribulations that they have uh, through the course of the narrative mm-hmm. make them a better person or they change for the better or they change for the worse um, and we have a kind of a different character at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, get where I'm putting out? I do. Okay. Um, but what I really love from films, and not all films, I, I think that's a, a very important narrative structure, but what I really love is when we have films where we, we, we have a character that comes on screen and is fully formed and we go along with that journey. I love characters like that and Ace Ventura is definitely one of those characters. Beginning scene where we see him as the delivery driver walking down the street, just kicking this box around, getting up to antics. You know straight from that first scene the character that we've got and the character that we're going to get through the film and... Uh, you can just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. I paid a lot, of, a lot of attention to the opening of this film because of our conversation last time. <laughs> like a lot of conversation. Yeah. Like, I was like, what are they telling us in the first moments of this film? And it's all right there. Yeah. In that first walk, even before he goes into the building, everything you need to know about that character and this film is right there. And I love that. So yeah. the, um, I, I guess examples out there are, are, are characters like Jack Sparrow, yep. Indiana Jones, yep. James Bond, characters that from the very first scene, you know what you're going to get yeah. and you're just kind of in for the ride. Han Solo. <laughs> Han Solo, definitely. Yeah. Also um, Harrison Ford, again, interesting. Yeah, uh, he, 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 he does good characters and they're memorable characters. Yeah, that's true. Some of, some of uh, cinema's most enduring characters are these fully formed mm. as you come characters mm. sometimes they might learn a bit w- w- one of kind of my eve points i guess with film is is when you take those characters and you try and give them a backstory yeah. or, or or try and understand them a bit more or try and force them into a learning narrative or a, a, a self-actualization narrative and i'm like no that's not what we want and we I, love the character we love what the character is doing just let them come in and be the character and i feel like if you probably read the original script that's what this was and I feel like Jim Carrey was like, nope, no, nope, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And I think it's actually, this is actually the film and that's the direction they went. Yeah. Because there's, there's moments where you're like, 
I want to see how that's written in the script. I'm like, you guys definitely rocked up on set and just did that. And it was great. Like, Yeah, and I, I think a, a few actors had been um, kind of up for this role as well. Uh, Rick Moranis. Yeah, which would have been a completely different film. And the thing, the one that I loved, uh, just because I would have I given anything to watch this film, Alan Rickman yeah. was considered. Um, you know who else was considered? Who's that? Whoopi Goldberg. Right? Yeah. Oh. Well, one of, one of the ideas for this film was to have, I think it was Alice Ventura. Yeah. Um, and it was going to be Whoopi Goldberg, which would have been interesting. All three of those films, I would have given anything to say. And very different to one another very, whatsoever. Very, very different. Which, which is really, really interesting. Like, and that's what I think is kind of the interesting thing about this film. Speaking for me is you can see the real interpretation of the character. Yeah, 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 yeah. All all those films would be very different, but I think still the 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 one that will win out is Jim Carrey. Yeah, definitely. Ten out of ten times, like um, the way that he owns that character and has brought a lot to the character. It's interesting hearing him uh, kind of at the time talk about how he developed the character. I mean, it is is a real kind of mishmash, and I'm probably treading on your toes a little bit from the actor's perspective. Uh, But I'm doing it anyway. Go for it. You can't stop me. Go for it. He's kind of taking those bits and pieces and and, uh, from his characters, from his TV show, Mm. from his sketch show, but also the the mentality of he he describes Ace Ventura as a bird. Yeah, that's, that's what my first note that I just thought was so interesting, this idea of... A lot like a Newt's Commander in um, Fantastic Beasts, like really looking at animal behavior and basing your character on that, which is a work that a lot of actors do, uh, which I have done myself. And it's it's a really good place to start and sort of like figure out intentions or actions through that, not to a level of where you're like, no, I'm just going to straight out play this character like a tropical bird. I'm going to base my clothes, my hair... Every way this person interacts is with a really smart tropical bird. That's what I'm basing this on. And the minute you know that, you're like, oh, yeah, his performance makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah. As as soon as you hear that, you're like, yeah, I understand the choices that we're making. Yeah. I'm going to move on. Can I move on to a little bit of actor stuff? Yeah, go, go for it. I, was... I feel I forced you into a no, bit of action, no, no, no. actor stuff here. Because that's the thing. He makes the biggest choices as an actor that I've possibly ever seen like he really goes and my 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 wife turned to me at one point and was just like he's just at 110 the whole time like and i was like i feel like he was like he's never not doing something and like it's like the whole thing is for the character's own entertainment like you talk about that mission impossible bit that's purely for the character's entertainment (laughs) but what's so clever about that is it's really endearing to us, to the character. And we go, great. Like, I can see what you're doing there. Like, you're really... You're showing us that all that other stuff is not an act. This is actually who this person is. This person is either the craziest person we've ever seen or this person is a genius. And I think they're a bit of both. Yeah. Like, and, and that's what's so great about that choice. That he's like, he's just going to be this person at all times. He's going to play every single moment of this film to the point that I'm like, I'm sure his secret objective in this 
You know what an objective is? Yes. Yeah. Well, for those of you who don't, your objective is your goal. The thing that you as a character want. You have your super objective, which is like basically your arc over the whole um, movie. Like what do you want by the end of the thing? And then you break it down into moment by moment and you can have a secret or a secret objective, which is something that you've decided to do but you don't tell anybody else on set. And this yeah. is a very, very famous thing that a lot of actors do. They have a secret and you play that secret. And the best one is, is, uh, is it uh, the Jack Nicholson film, uh, something Schmidt? Oh, about, not about, about Schmidt. Schmidt? Yeah. yeah, and he plays like a secret the whole way through and it's quite amazing to watch because you're like... And it's that thing when you watch an actor and you're like, what are you doing? Like... What like and you're like you're so into it and you don't know why it's because you're actually like looking at them thinking about something else but trying to play a scene trying to hide something from you and I feel like Jim Carrey is like my my objective is to just make everybody super uncomfortable and put everybody on edge whenever this character is around and also to make them corpse because there's so much stuff that he does like when he's at that dinner party and he's walking past that guy playing the violin and he just pulls the bow yeah so the guy plays a flat note and you're just like. And that would have thrown that guy. And that would have, like, thrown everybody because they're like, oh, something's wrong. And it, like, it, it, when something goes wrong in a performance, it creates this certain tension mm. around that moment where everybody stops almost acting and starts reacting, which you should be doing anyway. But, yeah, it's quite interesting that he's almost trying to get that out of people. He's trying to force them to stop acting and start, like, reacting to him because he's doing that to them. I think that's something that we'll be getting into yeah. in a lot of Jim Carrey's work yeah. as well. The 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 character itself to have yeah. such such a such an oddball, such a yeah. uh, uh, a outsider, I guess. Yeah. But he is the smartest guy in the whatever room yeah. he's in. The one thing that I really wanted to talk about with this performance, and this is something that I, as a child, looked at Jim Carrey and was like, "That that is what I want to do." is commitment mm. and he commits like 500% to every single moment no matter how stupid it is or how hor- like horrible that moment is he's there and and sometimes it doesn't work sometimes it doesn't work sometimes you're like Ugh. like the bit where he's talking with his butt to tone lock and you're like that's funny but there's a bit where you do that five or six t- takes and you're like this is what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Apparently, I read that he did that to Keenan Waynes while in Living Colour because he was like kept shooting down his sketch ideas. So he just got up and talked through his butt at him. They had a massive fight about it. And then like later they laughed about it. And he was like, that's actually a pretty funny thing to do. Also, one of my favourite jokes in the film. Oh, great. But like, you imagine doing that yeah. for eight takes. Yeah. And you're just like, what what am I doing? What am I? But and I imagine he would have to do that for eight takes yeah. because the first three or four takes, you're not getting anything from anyone no. because you're just laughing. And everybody's like freaking out because you haven't told anybody what you're doing. But then like you look at that and then there's a bit where he's like eating the nuts in um, Courtney Cox's office and he's doing this little bit where he's watching the video and he's eating these nuts. And you're like, that's commitment. Like he's just committing to this bit and it's really weird. Like that would have been a really weird offer to make and to think of and to do but he commits to it and the two bits the two commitment awards that from Dave this <laughs> week are two comical things that he does in the hallway when he is playing soccer with the box at the very start of the movie he does a handstand grabs it with his feet and flips it over his head he <laughs> smashes himself in the head with that box yeah 
and it hits him in the back of the head. And you're like, look, the box is probably empty. Or there's a piece of foam or whatever. But still, he cracks himself in the head with the box. And you're like, and he keeps going. Because that's like pretty much one shot, that whole walk down that hallway to that mm. door. The other one, which I'm like, that's amazing, is there's a bit where he's looking for the ring in the, t- in the um, montage. And he's running. There's a sprinter, which he ends up chloroforming and tackling, <laughs> which is very, very, very funny. But in the second time he's running next to him, he runs off the track and falls over. And there's this moment where he like face plants and his foot comes over the back and kicks himself in the back of the head. And he just kind of lies there. And I'm like, that is commitment. Like you are putting your body, you're putting your craft, you're putting everything on the line for a moment, for one moment of a joke of like the audience going, yeah, he ate it. Like he really, that would have hurt a lot. And that's what I, that's the thing for me with Jim Carrey in this film where I was like, man, you are all in. And I I think that's a testament to like his rise, I guess, Mm. out of this film because this is the film that really put him on the map. And it's, it's that commitment to the audience and the commitment to getting a laugh that sets him apart from other actors at the time. And and the thing that's worth noting as well, there's two things uh, that I kind of want to finish on is one, he only got paid $350,000 for this film. Mm. So that sort of shows you like at what level he was seen in Hollywood. When you look, when we get to it, how much he gets paid for Ace Venture 2. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. I remember reading a a statement, I think, from Tom Shadyac after this mm. film, is they, they made the film, they watched it back, and Tom Shadyac, the director, was like, I've just ruined mine and Jim Carrey's career. Yeah. But it is kind of that balls to the wall, the, the, the mm. commitment mm. Um, and the confidence to do a film like this. Um, that I think is a testament to both of their rises in the in the industry. And the thing that I would mention, which I just remembered, is that he was doing like 15, 16 hour days because what they were doing is after they would finish rapping, he would stay behind work scenes, rewrite scenes, work moments to get the most out of them, which is what he did in, in Living Colour as well. So he would stay with Tom and like the writers and whoever and just work scenes basically until they told him to go home. So he was like, he was all in on this one, like, you know, but this is a film that critically was canned, but like by audiences just ate it up and just loved every second of it. Yeah. I think it was really a a cult hit amongst the demographic that it was aimed at. Yeah. Uh, Critically, maybe not so much though. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. Um, And I think we've covered the reasons why it wasn't great. Uh, would you say that uh, this is him on the way up or on the way down? What would you say? The rise or the fall, mate? Look, uh, it, it's it's the rise of Jim yeah. Carrey. This yeah. this is a, a rise for him and his performance. No. Um, but looking at the movie as a whole, yeah. and kind of going into this, I, I like this is this is such a nostalgic film for mm. me and. Um, what wasn't my introduction to Jim Carrey, and I'm looking forward to talking through uh, over the next couple of weeks my introduction to to Jim Carrey and his career. There, there, there was still a bit of nostalgia I had for this film, but kind of revisiting it and particularly the awful moments that we had just um, left such a bad taste in yeah. my mouth that I, I can't I can't pass this film. And and my I guess yardstick for this film is like when I have kids. Yeah. Um, I'm going to introduce them to films. 
is this one that I would introduce them to? And a, a lot of these kind of older films yeah. that have kind of maybe some not great PC stuff in there, yeah. um, I might show to use as a bit of a, a conversation starter. But I think some of the, the, the demons of this film are so egregious that I, I don't want to subject yeah. my kids to a film like this. Yeah. I, I, I I don't think particularly the, the third act of this film works. I think it's completely disrespectful to a lot of vulnerable people in, in society and I don't think it really helps the conversation. Not at all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I think Jim Carrey as a performer and as an actor, yeah, great. But as a film, like, yeah. I, like, I, I would like my kid, I would want my kid to be... 14, 13, 14 before I let them watch this. And I think about like when I first watched it when I was like yeah. nine and stuff. And they're like, you know, a lot of parent people will go, oh, a lot of stuff goes over your head, whatever. Not as much as you think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely the, the first third I, right. I might be comfortable showing. And yeah. the character of Ace Ventura and yeah. the performance of Jim Carrey is, is definitely spot on and a great stepping stone in his rise in his career in Hollywood. And I think that's very important to note and, and um, very important for us to acknowledge. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, yeah, the, the cringeworthy elements just don't elevate this film very well. Excellent. Goodness, I had a better myself. Yeah. Uh, what is next? What are we looking at next? Oh, I want to say The Mask. Pretty sure The Mask was the first Jim Carrey film that I saw. And I haven't seen it for many, many years yeah. as well. So I'm a little apprehensive and nervous to go back and revisit The as Mask. As long as I don't have to watch uh, Son of Mask <laughs> with Jamie Kennedy, I'm pretty happy. Whatever happened to that guy? Don't know. I get him confused a lot with Seth Green. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> I think. So, uh, the, the mask next week? Yeah. So, next week, we'll be looking at the mask. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, please check us out at dandle.fun on Facebook or dandle underscore fun on Twitter. If you've got uh, anything that you'd like to add to this conversation, anything that we can chuck in, and we'll catch your wonderful selves next week. See ya. Bye.